The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to a special edition of The Writer Files called The Best of the Writer's Brain, a series neuroscientist Michael Gripke and I started in 2015 when I enlisted his help to give us a tour of the inner workings of the writer's process. Have you ever wondered how prolific writers summon vast stores of creativity without breaking a sweat? As we take a short summer hiatus uh, to book new guests for the upcoming season, I thought I'd put all of these enlightening episodes in one place, starting here. In part one of this series, I invited my friend and co-host, research scientist Michael Gribko of the Department of Psychology at the University of Washington to come on the show and help us pinpoint where exactly in the brain creativity lives. In this file, Michael and I discussed how science is expanding our definition of creativity, why memory plays such a big part in writing, where creative ideas come from, whether or not you can teach an old writer new tricks, why staying curious is so important to creativity, how prolific writers are like pro athletes, and why the adage, write what you know, is sound advice. And one quick important shout out to my colleague and longtime associate producer of this show, Caroline Early, who's recently moved on to greener pastures, but will be sorely missed. Thanks again, Early, for all of your help making this show so awesome in its first two years. Enjoy. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust Studio Press. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. So let, let's get into it. Um, you know, just for starters, the Oxford English Dictionary defines creativity simply as the faculty of being creative, ability or power to create. Right. That seems pretty straightforward, but you and I know that that's not quite as simple as that. Right. There's a lot more going into creativity. And writers often equate um, creativity to some like mystical jolt of inspiration from the gods or like when I got my creative writing degree, there was always this deification of 
of great writers of yore. Um, I'm thinking specifically like Shakespeare, Hemingway, you know, these figures of renown that were right. extremely prolific, um, creative to the point where we sometimes question if they're real. I think, you know, there's like a whole um, society of people in Great Britain that don't think Shakespeare was a real person because <laughs> he invented like half of the English language. But, you know, it doesn't help that we pass around these urban legends, um, you know, about like um, Jack Kerouac writing a, a novel in a weekend or, you know, the fact that David Foster Wallace wrote a book that was longer than War and Peace. Right. And I think as writers, as we're facing the blinking cursor and wondering where that juice comes from, um, you know, we're wondering, is it, you know, divine inspiration? Is it methamphetamines? Is it some supernatural jolt of electricity that's bestowed on, on morals? I guess I just want to turn to you, to science. And science is asking some of these questions as well. Um, and specifically, you know, this is a, a topic that is being dealt with in neuroscience. And we're trying to answer the same question, you know, what is creativity? And there very much is a lot of evidence out there, you know, showing that this is uh, just a function of our brains. You know, this is a neurological process that's going on and it can all, or a lot of it so far can be explained that way. You know, these aren't some supernatural being or some black magic going on. They're not. But, <laughs> but uh, a lot of this creativity, you know, I think we can explain in just plain old brain function. Cool. So we can we can debunk some of the urban legends. Yeah, it is very intriguing. You know, how did Shakespeare do what he did, and and creativity as a whole. You know, how did Bach? How did he create that much music? And in science, we define creativity as an idea that is novel, good, and useful. So I think it's a little broader than the Oxford di- um, Dictionary's definition, where it's just the ability to create. So that doesn't really say much. You know, you can create something and it's not very useful, you know, or it just doesn't work well. And then the novelty is very important in the, you know, in scientific thinking, like pulling from this, this uh, wealth of knowledge we store in our brains and making connections between different ideas we have to solve a new problem or create, write a, write a new novel. So that's what science looks at when we study creativity. And, you know, this is, just like to drive home the point, this is very much a function of the brain, that kind of thing. There's no need to invoke all that kind of folklore into this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's our brains doing what they do. How much is memory involved in creativity? That's really the root of it. You know, if you want to talk about creativity, it involves us using knowledge we've already gained and applying it in a situation that we may be unfamiliar with to, to resolve an issue or create something, you know, make something. And that's, you know, that's a really good point. Memory is really key here. You can't really talk about creativity without talking about memory and, and how we remember things and how we use that knowledge um, in our everyday lives to get through the world and get through our days and do all the tasks we do. So, you know, yeah, I think it's a good starting point to just review memory and how, how do we get knowledge and how do we remember things and how, how do we store this information? Um, and this is a huge field in and of itself. You know, there's just volumes of, of literature out there on this and it's very active. You'll get a good idea of just how the brain processes the information. Cool. So basically, yeah, we go through our day-to-day lives 
And we're constantly bombarded by information. And I think we take this for granted a lot of times. You know, all the sights, sounds, smells, all the sensory input. You know, this is picked up by the different sensory systems, ears, eyes, what have you. And all this information is converted into like electrical chemical signals. And this is the language of the brain, these electrical chemical signals. So we're taking all this real, real world input and turning it into a signal that the brain can, can use. So this is like called encoding, this first step. Hmm. So we're just encoding all this information and just like a computer code. You know, you need to type things into a computer a certain way so it'll work. The information about the world we live in gets transferred in these electrical chemical signals so our brain can use them. So that's kind of the first part of memory, just gathering information and encoding it. Then, you know, that's kind of turns into short-term memory. And short-term memory really isn't important for creativity right now. Short-term memory would be like if your phone rings and you're drinking a cup of coffee, put down your cup of coffee and answer your phone. Then later you hang up your phone, you remember where your cup of coffee was. You remember that for that. Sh- I always <laughs> remember where my cup of coffee is. You have a short-term memory problem, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> but don't worry, it won't affect your creativity. <laughs> okay, you good. <laughs> Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. But as you can see, you know, that's really not important to store, store that information long-term. A week from now, it's not important to remember where you put that cup of coffee down today to pick up your phone. But as we do things over and over again, through repetition, short-term memories can turn into long-term memory. Repetition is one way. Another thing is the weight of a situation. So if something's very important, if you put that cup of coffee down and then you knock it over and it spills on some important paperwork, you may, in a week from now, you may remember where you put that cup of coffee down. 
through various mechanisms, we build long-term memories. It's kind of termed as consolidation is uh, the, the word for it, but it involves the brain moving signals into different areas, these electrical chemical signals, and then neurons take on certain patterns, spatial and temporal patterns. So certain neurons will fire at certain rates. So that's kind of long-term memory. So there's an actual biochemical change going on in our brains that represents the world we live in. Hmm. It's important to point out, too, you know, there's different kinds of long-term memory. And two important ones are kind of this procedural memory and then declarative memory. Procedural is referred to as motor memory, but it doesn't necessarily just have to be motor skills, but it can be something like the route you take from home to the grocery store. Hmm. Over time, you're not thinking about it too much, and you can do it without invoking a lot of thought. Do you think that could include something like typing? Yes. That's definitely a, a procedural. Yeah, there's a lot of tasks we do every day. Uh, procedural memory is very important for us surviving in the world. A lot of things we take for granted, all these day-to-day tasks actually take a long time to develop skills, and, and there's a lot of memory involved. The declarative memory, so that's things like uh, facts and knowledge. And this is what we really draw on when we want to be creative. You know, this information we have stored about places and events, and, and this is where we start linking these different neural networks hmm. to be creative. So this is our pool of sort of information. This is where our ideas are coming from, this declarative memory. Basically, the final, final part of the memory process is the recall process. And this is when we draw on these memories and apply them to, them to a current situation. I think the root of creativity lies in the recall phase and how we access these neural networks to utilize the information they code for. You know, one could postulate that if the act of being creative involves recognizing connections between loosely associated items in the world that surround us, that this would be represented at the neuronal level by activating weakly associated neuronal networks. I mean, it's a lot to take in, I think. Yeah, it is kind of it seems like what you're getting at is that the root of creativity is a combination of all of these different sets of uh, processes that we kind of take for granted so that kind of procedural remembering you know how, how we type versus the other declarative yeah or knowledge knowledge portion of combining that with like typing something intelligent into a uh, word doc lies at the root of kind of combining all of these different processes. Just a quick pause to mention that The Writer Files is brought to you by the Rainmaker platform, the complete website solution for content marketers and online entrepreneurs. Find out more and take a free 14-day test drive at rainmaker.fm slash platform. So I guess my final question is, and I know that it seems like you all on the neuroscience side are learning more and more about the brain and neuroplasticity and uh, idea of can you can you teach an old dog new tricks, I guess is, is my question. In other words, can creativity be taught later in life or can it be improved? Can it be learned? You know, these are all really good questions. Hard to answer, but I think yes. Uh, one of the, I like that answer. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> I asked you like 20 questions. I apologize. <laughs> well, no, this idea that we can improve creativity, I think is, it's a hard question to prove, but 
you know, there is some evidence out there and just the nature of the brain, there's the use it or lose it principle. And you see that over and over again in, in learning and memory where it's really important to keep the brain active. Creativity can be improved upon. The more you try new things, the more skills you develop, um, the more creative you'll become. So, you know, there's this important aspect of creativity that was hinting at that in declarative memory and, and, you know, we have these, these thoughts in our head that are represented by these biochemical signals, these electrochemical signals um, causing these neural networks to fire in certain ways. And this firing translates to a certain memory. Um, what's important is to just build up your knowledge base. So, hmm. I mean, basically, the more information you have in your head, the more creative you'll be, the more, the bigger the pool of ideals, ideas you have to draw from. Yeah. So keep, keep the muscles limber. Yeah. In and, other and words. Keep them limber and keep building them and yeah, keep reading and, and trying new things and new experiences. And I just did an interview with um, uh, Damien Farnworth and his, I think his main tip, at least for writers, was to stay curious, to keep learning new things. Well, I want to get to an article really quick that kind of pro- probably draws on that um, from the New York Times. And um, this idea that that the, the writer can be compared to a professional athlete. So the, the title of the article is, this is your brain on writing. And this is just pure, I, I totally geek out on stuff like that. But I'm, I'm always curious, like how how far are they stretching this research uh, <laughs> to make this claim that, and I'll just, I'll just pull out a quote. Um, a novelist scrawling away in a notebook in seclusion may not seem to have much in common with an NBA player doing a reverse layup on a basketball court before a screaming crowd. But if you could peer inside their heads, you might see some striking similarities in how their brains were churning. So of course I want to ask you about something like this. Like, I, when I see that, when a writer sees this, I think they're just like, oh, yeah, it's awesome, dude. We're like pro athletes in our brains. Um, but how how speculative is this? I, I think it's stretching the the original research a bit. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think this is Erhard et al. Um, this is a group in Germany the original article came from. And um, it, it's interesting. They came up with this new paradigm to study literally creative writing and employing this MRI technique um, while people are engaging in writing. So MRI is, is a brain imaging technique where you measure the amount of blood um, flowing to a particular area of the Hmm. brain. Um, And we infer brain activity with the amount of blood if there's an increase in blood flow in a certain area of a brain, in the brain. This is a widely used technique, and there's some drawbacks to it, certainly, because, first of all, it's not directly measuring neuronal activity. It's looking at blood flow. Um, and then it's, it's not super accurate. So you can tell an area of the brain that's getting active, but if there's subtle changes within that area, it's hard to detect. And then also, it's a big machine, and you have to lay still, so whatever image or whatever part of the body, in this in this case, you know, the head is um, being imaged, has to be remained still the whole time. So right off the bat, you can understand it would be impossible to compare a basketball player 
with a writer. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, I'm terrible at basketball to begin with, but I can't imagine trying to shoot a basketball and uh, having an MRI done at the same time, like where you can't move your head. Sure. Um, it's, it sounds improbable. So, so, yeah, it's hard to make a correlation, but what, what they found, the group in Germany found, is um, what, what was striking is this particular area called the, uh, I think it's the caudate nucleus, was active during writing. And the correlation is made based on this, because this is an area of the brain that is responsible for some of these procedural memories, what we were talking about before, mm. or this is an area that's active during those times. So as, you know, as we do certain skills that we all have over and over and over again, we just become more and more proficient. And as that proficiency increases, we see this area of the brain becoming active. Um, so that's, whether it's typing, playing piano, shooting a basketball, or in this case, writing. Um, so this area of the brain was becoming active when, when creative writers, when they measured creative writers doing their thing during an MRI. So if that makes them like a basketball player, uh, I won't quite say that, but. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. But maybe, yeah, but maybe coming back to that kind of use it or lose it. Um, and I hear so many writers talk about, you know, you know, why writing every day is important. And um, of course, research, 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 the more you put in there, ideally, the more creative you're going to be. And, you know, that old other saying of write what you know, really probably is pretty accurate. Because if you if you're researching a, a topic or trying to write a, um, say, a historical novel that requires um, quite a bit of research, um, it's probably not going to at least um, tell the story that you want to tell or affect people in the way that you would prefer if you're not actually doing right. a lot of research and putting that right. information in there so that you can draw from that uh, and create something fresh, new, and maybe even surprising. Right. And then also just practicing being creative. Yeah. You know, it's a hard thing to do and it's a hard thing to quantify, but you know, there's this aspect of creativity. It's, it gets back to the originality you know, aspect that I was talking about earlier. And... You know, whether you're solving a problem or coming up with an, a new idea, really what creative solutions or ideas r require us to kind of access this information we have stored in, the, in our brain that's represented in, in these neural networks and to apply it. So this may involve you know, making associations between objects or things that may not be obvious to other people. And that's where the creativity comes in. It's coming up with a novel idea or something that maybe other people wouldn't see. 
what we're looking at in the brain, there's probably a correlation here where this information we have stored in our brains, we're kind of making connections on a synaptic level, on a neuronal level. We're bringing kind of these two different memories that were stored and they aren't too well correlated or associated and we're somehow creative individuals are kind of bringing these together on a neuronal level now. So these two, what used to be discrete neural networks are starting to overlap and starting to communicate with one another. It's an interesting concept, but I think, you know, that takes practice and we can see this and something like new synapses forming and, and um, kind of bridging the gap between these new networks could be what's happening here, could be the root of creativity in the brain. Wow. I love it. So if I could come up with one takeaway for writers, what would you say? Would it be practice, 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 or, you know, read more or both watch, let watch less television. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, watch good television. Watch good TV. Thank you. Watch creative TV. Uh, Yes. No, but all that keep writing. Um, you know, I think it's really important for everyone. Keep trying new things and new challenges. Keep learning. So, yeah, keep things original. Keep putting more information into your heads. And, you know, more. this is the bigger the pool of ideas you have, the more opportunities that you'll have to be creative, the more fuel you'll be adding to the fire. All right. So my final question to you is, should I stop saying that incantation of the muses before my writing session? <laughs> <laughs> No, continue. Okay, good. Does it work for you? I have no idea. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll stick in an MRI machine. (laughs) Okay. We need to research it. Michael, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about the writer's brain. All right. This was fun. And um, actually would love you to come back and talk about a couple other issues. Um, Like personal issues? (laughs) No. Okay. I'd love for you to come back on the show and talk about storytelling and uh, empathy at some point. Yes, empathy's a yeah, empathy's a very exciting field too. Lots to say on that one too. Okay, cool. Thank you so awesome. much. All right, this was fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for a glimpse into the workings of the writer's brain. For more episodes of the Writer Files, or to simply leave us a comment or a question, drop by writerfiles.fm. You can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.